0: Welcome to the Sunday Session Podcast where we take you back through all eight games of the round. Chris Kennedy, Kenny Scott and NRL.com gun reporter Alicia Newton in the chair this week to talk about all the highs and lows. Thanks for joining us, team.
1: Hello, CK. Hello, Kenny. How are we?
2: Great. Uh, doing good. Can't wait to, to get stuff into it. Okay. We're what? What? closer to the end than we are from the beginning. So it's getting pretty serious. Yeah, it's uh, probably
0: two-thirds-ish almost through the season mm. now, in the shortened season. Um, things are getting real, as they say. Um, let's talk about the Sharks and the Eels because this game was a throwback. Remind me of watching footy in the 80s when I was a little kid, so I'm Adrian right there. But um, wilds and wet and windy and scrums being won against the feed and you can't kick goals properly. What do you make of all this, Alicia?
1: Was a mess, wasn't it? It was fun to watch sitting in our lounge rooms, nice and warm, you know, any, any other place you'd uh, rather be. But um, it's one of those games where, you know, you, you just you want to win because otherwise, you know, just adds to the misery. Um, Crenol obviously outscored three tries to two, but just couldn't, couldn't kick a goal there. So that proved the difference that in that penalty goal at the end. Um, both teams I had a red hot crack. I think there was 10 forced dropouts as well. Mm. Just goes to show how much the, uh, the rain. Helps with the kicking games close to the line. But um, that was pretty entertaining for what it was. But uh, you know, power of just keep keep hanging in there and keep getting two points.
2: I, I reckon this game was the weather was terrible. Like looking at it on on telly, like who the hell would want to be there? If this game was at somebody's actual home ground, but it was at Cogra, so like which is you know Sharks' home ground for this season, but not really. If it was at uh, points bet or at Bankwest Stadium stadiums. I reckon it would have been a complete whitewash for the home, the, the real home team. Um, but because it was because of the weather was just so awful, but because they sort of played on neutral territory, it just turned out to be like a real scrap fest, didn't it? it was like there was drop balls left, right, and centre. But man, it was so much fun. It was like high quality and poor quality all at the same time, and some really weird things like that. Um, the, the scrum win against the feed. I'm going to have to admit, I don't think I don't actually know what the rules are around whether you can or can't contest a scrum or not because often when that happens you know the ref will stop it and repack it but whatever it was great fun um and yeah paramatter kept paramattering and what
0: yeah I think you're allowed to contest it there's just a lot of stuff you aren't allowed to do that usually brings it undone but if you just want to shove Mm. in the scrum once the ball goes in and you happen to win it that way as long as there's no other sort of foul play I think that's okay um you just don't see it very often. So it's not a bad little shock tactic, especially when things are that kind of slippery and you can get a bit of a move on. But yeah, as you say, the Eels haven't really been too pretty the last few weeks, but keep finding a way um, to claw out those two points. Bit of a buffer now at the top, um, Penrith, Storm and Eels. And then I think it's four points down to Roosters and another two down to the the Raiders. So um, you know, the top few teams starting to streak away. Uh, before we move on, i got to give a rap to Dylan Brown the young playmaker um, even just his defense I thought was epic but came up with two huge plays to, to set up his team's two tries as well and um, you know really showing uh, how to play some some wet weather footy um, anyway let's move along to the all Queensland affair that started off Sunday 30 points to 10 the Titans over the Cowboys Kenny the um, the Titans the the dominant Queensland NRL Club at the moment
2: yeah, we get this really bizarre situation at the conclusion of this, where yeah, Titans are sitting pretty in what eleventh like spot, um, uh, the, the most yeah, the the, the high flying Queensland team uh, of twenty twenty so far. This was heaps of fun to watch, purely for the fact that the the the, oh my God, the joy or that the the jubilation, the, the the energy that the Titans brought to this game once they got well, the upper hand, which didn't really take long. I think the Cowboys dropped the ball in, like, the fourth minute and didn't, didn't really seem to recover in the first half. But just some of the things that we saw in this game from the Titans, like Kevin Proctor had an absolute blinder. His, um, you know, dive over the dead ball line for a tap back for an unlikely try, that sort of stuff. But the reaction after, after they scored, there was just excitement in the team, which is not something you've seen from the Titans um, on a consistent basis. And it was just great to see them, you know... Get a great win, get a like a great a great it wasn't a lucky win. They worked hard for it, they did some awesome stuff. Um and the team really stood up and um yeah, like it was fun, like another great fun another fun uh, game to watch. Um and good for them.
1: I think too, like for for them, I wonder how much has impacted, you know, the signing of David Feeder, um, Herman S A S A and even Tino. Um you know, how, how much that has impacted just knowing what's ahead for them. Um, a few of those guys are probably playing for their own own futures, as you mentioned, Kenny, with, with Kevy Proctor. Um, but, yeah, I mean, under under Holbrook, they've just kind of turned turned a leaf and even they, they're kind of bridging that gap between their their best game and their worst game. So I think that Cowboys' performance was just reward for, you know, the last sort of month. They've, they've really hung in there against some teams and then uh, obviously beat the Broncos a couple of weeks ago as well. So um, yeah, it's good signs for the coast because a lot of people would have predicted them to, uh, to get the spoon again this year. So good times indeed.
0: Yeah, looking safe from the spoon. Although, yeah, we uh, touched on earlier, still only in 13th spot. So there's three clubs below them and two of them happen to be other Queensland teams. So I thought AJ Brimson, absolutely sensational um, back from, you know, some pretty major back. Stress injuries, uh, they enjoyed having him back. I thought both halves were, were pretty good. It's nice to see Ash Taylor playing with some confidence. And Jamal Fogarty's really looking like a, an NRL player um, this year. Mo Waker and Jai Arrow, and like you said, Kevin Proctor getting it done in the forward pack. Um, Cowboys were a rabble. Michael Morgan, his first game back from a shoulder injury, um, certainly looked a little bit um, rusty. And, and they just sort of lacked spark and lacked intent. Pretty much across the field. Anyway, talking about Saturday footy, Leash, I'll start with you because you covered this game, Freneral.com, the Panthers and the Raiders. I thought Raiders didn't at all disgrace themselves in this game. Penrith just way too good.
1: No, that's it. And Ricky Schultz said after the game, there was no point blowing up 24 0 at half time when sometimes you've got to. I think that was his way of giving credit to Penrith. He didn't actually say that, but I mm. think that was his way of, of, uh, of giving them a little bit of positive feedback. But yeah, Penrith just. Like that, was, that was easily their best half of the year and mm. most comprehensive they've looked for a good, good 40 minutes. It pretty much set it up. They just had to defend their way to the, um, towards the end there. But obviously a couple of controversial calls in the second half, I guess, overshadows the game, so to speak, now, because obviously we think Ivan Cleary might get a fine coming. So, um, yeah, but other than that, Penrith are just high, high flying at the moment and it, you can't really see too many teams stop them at this rate. The rate that they're going, and um, the, the young guys, I think, just fitness-wise, they just—they're on another level to other teams. Um, you know, it gets to the 70th minute mark, and they still look like they—they could run all day. So I think that—that's the massive difference for them at the moment with their forward pack, just very mobile and um, outside backs who are electric.
2: Yeah, we've been saying for a while now that the Penrith team just look—they look fast, fit, and strong, and that was like. What we saw on Saturday night was just the like the product of that exactly. They are fast, fit, and strong. They just like they're just in this great place at the moment where they're they're happy, they're determined, they're energetic, they're strategic. Nathan Cleary, his passing game, I thought was excellent last night. Uh, Sorry, on Saturday night. Um, which was last night. Uh, but I want to like. Whilst Penrith was awesome, there's one. There was one thing that from Canberra that I wanted to highlight. The um, the CNK try, the first try that he scored, and his second try was great as well. But the first try that he scored for Canberra, I thought was probably the most like effort fueled try I've seen in such a long, long time. It seemed like he was he just pumping you know these uh, tree trunk legs of his uh, to push him and three other players. It seemed. Um, over the trial line was um was great and that's probably a hallmark of a Ricky Stewart team, which is again pure effort, never stop. Um but Penrith, are just they're just too good at the moment. No one's gonna be able to stop them whilst they're in this form.
0: Yeah, Charns I thought was amazing. He's one of those players that I think fans from across all sixteen clubs just love to watch play. You know, just back he's got stitches all through his finger from where his you know bone popped out of the skin two weeks ago and two amazing tries, eventually had to go off at the end um just a bit of just bashed up and, and suffering cramp, but he gave everything that he, he had to give. Um, not too, I mean, they've just won three in a row since losing Josh Hodgson, so still some pretty good signs for, for Canberra across the board. They're, they're playing tough, they're playing gritty. Just wanted to talk about Penrith a little bit more before we move on because um, trying to put my finger on, I was having this conversation with a few people, just what. Why are they so good? Because you look at that team, there's a few guys, um, you know, Nathan Cleary, James Fisher-Harris, Api Kaurasau, Isaiah Yo, who are, you know, in the conversation for the most informed player in the the whole NRL in their position. But there's a lot of guys there, a lot of really young guys. You look at um, Stephen Crichton, Brent Naden, Spencer Leniu, um, you know, Liam Martin, who are not not guys that are superstars, but they're young and, and doing their job well. Alicia, there are quite a few guys in their 17 you wouldn't, Necessarily say would ignite a bidding war if they were off contract, but just everyone's playing well and playing with confidence.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly what Ivan Cleary alluded to after the game. He just said, like, you know, there's some players out there that are playing well above probably their value in the team, and that's that's what make that's what's making it work. And obviously, um, I, I did write a story earlier in the week around their junior system. Obviously, you know, of that 30-man squad they've got at least 75% of those players are the local juniors. Like that's that's unheard of. In in the NRL, um, across different clubs, some might have 50%, but but nowhere near Penrith's um, junior system. So suddenly we're seeing all these guys just flourish and they've all played with with each other before for, you know, for a good five plus years. They've won competitions in lower grade systems. Um, it has to account for something in my eyes um, when, we, when you get to this this period now there's just so much belief and they're probably all at the same age, you know, far a couple of the, the older heads, but they're, they're all probably all in the same wavelength. And, um, and again, know no, what it takes to, to win a comp, albeit, you know, a reserve grade comp, but still that um, there's a winning culture there. Mm.
0: You were sitting in front of, yeah, you were sitting in front of Ivan Cleary when he uttered the words, uh, I feel like Canberra are being managed back into the game. I read a story uh, from Scott Bailey on AAP today. He's spoken to Peter Volandis and the, uh sounds like he's extremely unhappy with uh, Ivan's comments. Now, I was actually watching the post-game on Fox League when he said that and I straight away went, well, say goodbye to 10 grand, Ivan. You're going to be for that one. Was that your reaction when he when he said that?
1: Yeah, straight away I just went, oh, not sure whether he should have said that. And then as we're walking out, yeah, Penrith's media manager just looked at us and thought, oh, well, hopefully hope he got a spare 10K handy because we kind of all new. But I think he also, you can tell when he said it, he was a bit like, oh, should I have said that? Um, but oh, oh, you can see his frustration. You know, there were a couple of calls that could have gone either way. But,
2: um,
0: mm.
1: yeah, to, to say straight up that, that the Raiders were managed back into the games is an obvious one for the NRL to pick up on um, if we're going off previous fines and obviously um, Ricky being one of them in the past. So yeah, yeah I expect him to be in fine on Monday.
0: You're sort of in a situation where you can say that you think they made a mistake. You can't say that they were doing it on purpose to help the other team. I think that's a pretty blatant. No, no. Anyway, let's talk about the uh, Knights and the West Tigers. Uh, Kenny, I don't know how much you want to talk about the Knights and the West Tigers, but um, kick us off with your thoughts on this. Well, one. look,
2: you can't be a West Tigers fan <laughs> and then hide from the bad performances because you've got to face that stuff head on. Know your enemy. And your enemy is about every second game. Uh, well, like, I don't know what to say. So I thought this was going to be really interesting because of all the changes that the Tigers had. Like, no Harry Grant, um, yeah. Embiid hooker, Brooks at six, uh, Leilua was back, Packer was back. Um, I thought that was going to get a really good reaction from the team. Um, shows why I'm not a head coach, I guess. Uh, It was just, like, uh, the first 10 minutes was kind of fun. Um, And then it just sort of all fell apart. Like, as soon as Kalen Ponga scored what looked like the world's easiest try, like, you know, shut the gates, it's done. Um, It was really disappointing to to see the Tigers leading a giant score like that. Like, they had... They're out of the finals race, we, like, uh, you know, even mega fans like me can admit it, they're gone. But that four and against uh, differential they'd racked up against the Broncos always seemed like a really good safety net. Like, even if it comes down to the crunch, that four and against will get us home. And they just negated that by letting in 40, like a 44-4 loss. It just sort of just compounds um, you know, a string of disappointing losses the last sort of months. So uh, yeah, back to the drawing board for the old Tigers. It's really disappointing because um, like Chris Lawrence racking up his 250th alongside Benji. Um, for them to, for Chris Lawrence especially, to, to get, get a milestone game and just be, you know, given an epic loss is just really disappointing for a guy that's a club legend um, and has worked so hard and is just a great community leader and great guy all around. Uh, so yeah, well done to the Knights though. And I think they've really responded well um, after the spray they got from their coach last week about being entitled. Uh, so, onwards for the Knights, downwards for the Tigers.
0: Alicia, your thoughts on the Knights, and I guess specifically your your thoughts when you heard that Blake Green was coming, and and your thoughts on the signing one game into the uh, the Blake Green era.
1: It was an it was a bit of an intriguing one. I remember a couple of weeks ago when Blake Green was getting reportedly shopped around to you know like the Bulldogs in a three year deal. I thought he's thirty four, thirty five. Like how many more years does this? guy think he has has left, and then course two weeks later the Knights pick him up but um, I mean you could just tell straight away how much of a difference he's made um, just relieving a bit of pressure off, off Mitchell Pierce, particularly around his kicking game um, and I, I guess the main thing is that they were just missing a hooker you know Kurt Mann got through that game unscathed which is a probably a miracle for Knights fans are not used to their number nine um, you know ending the, the game on a healthy <laughs> note yeah so um. And I think for for Kalen, you know, he didn't have to be that playmaker that he has been, you know, playing a bit of a five-eighth 8th role at the same time and taking a bit of pressure off Pierce with his kicking game. That was just left to, to green. So, yeah, I think it's a great fit for this year at least. Um, whether yeah. it happens yeah. down the track, I'm not too sure. But, um, yeah, it, they looked much, much better, much more controlled. And, um, yeah, it was a bit of a weird one. I actually thought just on the Tigers, like... Do they miss Harry Grant that much? Is he that much of an influence? Because, I mean, you think beyond next year as well. They're gonna they're gonna have to find someone um, when he goes back to Melbourne. Like, mm. what, did we just get a glimpse of what what life would be like without Harry Grant from the Tigers?
0: Yeah, um, I mean, it's hard. they they've. That was their fifth loss in six games, and they're still yet to beat a team above them. But at least the the previous losses, you know, the the Panthers lost, and the Eels lost some of their their tight losses. They've they've had close losses to good teams in in the last sort of six weeks. But that was a um, that was an avalanche. They they did like they missed Harry Grant a fair bit, but the, it's going to be a headache for them uh, next year, assuming he does go back. To the storm. Speaking of the storm, Kenny, forty-one to ten over the Bulldogs. No Cameron Smith, no Ryan Pappenhausen, no Dale Finnukin. But um, I guess Dogs probably made it pretty easy for them in the end.
2: Yeah, it's a real shame um, when you can go into a te- into a game and like you already you know exactly what's going to happen. I don't think anybody, especially not me, gave the Dogs any chance whatsoever. I thought it would be. Uh, I thought forty-one to ten was probably. Um, a I didn't think the Bulldogs would get any points at all, little alone 10, I suppose. Um, the storm at 40 is probably like the minimum of what I expected to happen. And like, what was it? 12, 12 nil after 13 minutes or something like that. After the Bulldogs had put up a pretty good fight in the opening 10. And then like a Josh Adakar runaway try sort of opens the floodgates. Um, I don't really know what the Bulldogs are supposed to do because they're just so far outclassed um, in terms of, just natural talent, like, you know, we've spoken about the problems with the Bulldog roster. that everybody has, like, for the whole year. But it, it just, just becomes so obvious when you come up against a really class team like Melbourne. Um, yeah, like, it's, it was just a, a tough a tough night out, for a tough afternoon, sorry, for the Bulldogs and for Bulldogs fans. But it was, I also thought it was a, a strange one for Melbourne, because they weren't as clinical, I felt, as Melbourne would be. And I don't know if that's because... It started to get a bit, I to say, easy. But like the score opened up to give them a real, a really good buffer, and you don't have Cameron Smith on the field being very Cameron Smith-like. So I thought there was a couple of times where they took options that were easy rather than what, rather than what a Melbourne Storm team should do. Um, like that sneak, that field goal they kicked at the end of the first half was off the back of like a fresh set of six with probably like a minute to go. I think they kicked it on the third or fourth tackle when. I would have thought Melbourne would set up, would, would set up for a, a try um, rather than just whack over a very meaningless field goal um, for the second half of the game. So, things like that, um, but Melbourne don't stay on Melbourne light for very long. Um, and yeah, it's a tough, a tough afternoon for the Bulldogs. But it was good to see the crowd was very neatly organised.
0: <laughs> it's different scenes to last week. Alicia, the the Bulldogs. I, mean, they, I think a lot of us expected a bit more from them than yes, Melbourne are good, but they ran the Eels really close a week before this. Everything about this performance was just accident prone, like that. The Lachlan Lewis intercept ball to Josh Adokar. It's almost like he looked up and saw him in the line and went, oh, "I'm just going to pass it anyway." It's the you know, Aiden Tolman stood in front of a bloke trying to kick the ball and gave away an obstruction penalty, just getting in the way, like just so many avoidable things, which you can't do anyway, but let alone
1: against Melbourne. Yeah, it's pretty frustrating performance considering, as you mentioned, the Parramatta game and the week before that, they obviously knocked off the night. So you'd want, if you're talking about consistency, you want you want them to back up a performance against an undermanned storm side and they pretty much fell apart on their own sort of terms, They they managed to, you know, rewrite those those own errors. Then it could have been a lot lot closer. They could have got back into it. But again, I just think their attack. And even against the Knights, like, um, you know, that they scored 18, and then they pretty much the Knights were storming home. And then last week they managed to um, storm home themselves against Para. But they still can't crack that that 20, you know, 30 point that you, you probably need to knock off a team. I don't know where the points come from. Um, they're just lacking that flamboyance in their halves, and Lockie Lewis, you know, whilst he comes up with a lot of di- some diamonds, he's also, you know, got some rocks in him as well. So it's yeah, it's a tough one. It's frustrating, but I mean, what do you do? They they come the bottom of the ladder, and um, you know, it's it's just hard at this point to see where where it goes to from here. But tough times. Things are on the up though. I hope more recruits <laughs> for them.
0: Well, yeah, a bit more room to move in the salary cap now. Trent Barrett coming in next year has got his work cut out for him. I think their goal for this year just has to be to replicate the sort of effort they put in the previous two weeks, like you said, against Newcastle and Parramatta and just try and win enough games to, to get ahead of Brisbane at the um, the bottom of the ladder. Um, speaking of Brisbane, Friday night, 28-10. Uh, to 10, uh, Pretty disappointing once again. Uh, Leash, thoughts on this one? Other than, you know, coaches missing because they've gone out for lunch the day before and that sort of thing.
1: You wouldn't have predicted like Karma kind of came back and got Wayne, didn't he? He had a few words about Seabold the day before and then next minute goes out to lunch. He probably had the words while he was at lunch and then um, yeah, ended up getting ruled out of the game himself. But I mean, South were pretty much in cruise control, I thought, for most of that game and then um, Brisbane showed a few signs but just weren't up to it. I thought David feeder made a made a pretty strong return. Um, South, again, they're just I think they're building, but how long they have in this competition to to keep it going? Like they they really need to back it up now and start stringing a few wins together.
2: I thought know, spot on. South were in cruise control for pretty much this entire. This entire game, which is kind of disappointing because I thought with a, a weak opposition like the way Brisbane are at the moment, they really could have, um, you know, showed their their premiership credentials and really put them to the sword. But it just seems like they would, yeah, they just sort of went through without doing anything too difficult. There were some highlights for Brisbane. I thought like Tom Dearden was um, good for most, most of it. Um, yeah, good to see for feedback for them as well. And I really like uh, Darius Boyd at fullback. It's his best position. It's his best position. Like he's the best fullback they have as well. I think you can see, I know there was a lot of talk this weekend about him being, um, he's voluntarily left the leadership group, Um, but you could see him talking to the team on the field, um, and that's, we've we've spoken about that before in this podcast as well, that's what that team needs, or one of the many things that team needs, but it's a very important thing that team needs, and he seems to be taking up the slack there, so good for him, but, and Broncos, they just, where do they go? I mean, if it wasn't for the Bulldogs, they would be in a lot of trouble. I mean, they're already in a lot of trouble, but they'd be, you know, run out of, run out of Brisbane um, if they uh, were to hit the wooden spoon. Um, and yeah, South's, that's another win for them. And I guess they can look forward to next week. I do reckon, though, Wayne Bennett, he's, a, he's the master of Ford HS. He probably didn't want to have to take the flight up to Brisbane. Oh, um, no, it was with ANZ, wasn't it? He just didn't have to face Seabold after the, um, the media, media storm. So he, you know, got a free lunch out of it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think too
1: yeah <laughs> what about Alan Langer? Alan Langer did the same yeah. you know, with that private function that, that would have disrupted no, he doesn't know
2: what he's
1: doing <laughs> <laughs> that would have disrupted the Broncos a little bit as well but i just go back to their defense um, CK you know the, the Mark Nichols try and the Tom Burgess try are just very soft on the line and that probably sums up sums up their year if numerous other yeah. things haven't already
0: Seabold sort of gave gave them a wrap for their defense and their effort after the game. But you'd think with the way Mark Nichols strolled over, that's not a, a good sign. If that's, you know, conceding 28 points and and Mark Nichols strolling over for a try is a your good defensive game, then yeah, you, you're not going too well at the moment. Obviously news since that um, Seabold has had to leave the, the bubble to deal with a family issue. Um, hopefully, you know, he's okay. Um, but then news this morning that Tevita now facing a, a two-week quarantine for going to a barbershop opening with bikies or something or it's uh yeah you, you gotta you just Never gotta be a better than that he just he, really. just
1: he just he just wants to avoid the canberra trip next week they <laughs> travel down to canberra in minus degree temps and he just was like nope i'm out
0: Unbelievable. i am out um, Lotto Land, uh, the early Friday game, 26-22, to 22, the Warriors over the Sea Eagles. Uh, Kenny, thoughts on this one? Do we now officially put a line through the Sea Eagles? They're still a, they're a win behind the uh, eighth-place Sharks and um, hopefully Tom Troy, which not too far away. But, geez, you'd want to be beating the Warriors at home if you're going to be a serious finals team.
2: You would want to be beating the Warriors at home, except... This was a brookie ambush. Remember that famous <laughs> term, but in reverse. Uh, I don't think we can put a line through the Eagles because of, because um, Tom Trebolyevich is due back sometime, and like he just lifts that team to the next level. It doesn't matter how many other players they've got injured. This was just a great a great game for the Warriors. Like the first um, the first twelve minutes, first fifteen minutes, I think for them were just they were just on. They were fast. They I think they responded really well to all the stuff that's going on in in the Warriors world at the moment. Like um. Todd Payton confirmed as not being their next coach. Uh, Nathan Brown being confirmed as their next coach. Um, I don't know if that had, that was confirmed at that time of the game, but everybody knew it was happening. Um, yeah, I think they just responded to the, the circumstances really well. And they seem to be getting... Like We, we spoke about the last game that Souths are building. I think the Warriors are building as well. Like Their, their performances are consistently getting better. While there was, there was a lot of lessons they can take out of this game, such as how to... Um, not let your team, not let your opposition back into the game. Um, I thought they did, uh, yeah, they did really well. Manly as well also did really well because they were down, what, I think 16-0 at one point. Um, And they got back to 16-10. And then, you know, it was was four points in it towards the end. um, So they almost got there. Um, But yeah, the Seagulls with so many troops, so thin on the ground with players, um, especially considering their best player, their most influential player has been out for a long time. Um, they can probably take a lot out of it, but yeah, well done to the Warriors. Uh, a bit more of that. You never know. Can the Warriors make the finals?
0: I mean, they're... <laughs> That's a
1: very mathematically, quick no from... math, Mathematically, yes, they can. <laughs> Still.
2: Alright, you heard it here first. The Sunday Session <laughs> podcast tips the Warriors <laughs> to make the finals. Yeah.
1: I, uh, I never gave them a chance in this game, purely because of the reasons Kenny mentioned. Also, you know, losing Blake Green mid- midweek, their chief playmaker. I just thought Manly coming off that big loss to Penrith at, on their home turf, they wouldn't been embarrassed by that. And then to turn around and, and dish what they did against the Warriors, albeit they did lose a couple more you know, back rolls before the game and lost a few during the game. But there's just no excuses, I don't think, from them, even without Turbo. Like, if they're going to be relying on Turbo to come back and, and win them a few games before the finals, it could be too late at that point. So... Yeah, they're, they're they're now desperate. They've got the Knights next week. So if they don't win that one, then you could almost be putting a line through them based on the ladder at, at this point.
0: Yeah, I was out at uh, Lotto Land for NRL.com covering this game. I was uh, impressed by the resilience the Warriors, Warriors showed. I think Manly got a, a penalty on the Warriors line with three minutes to go and four points behind. I'm like, oh, here we go. They're going to get the try and Warriors are going to be disappointed. And yeah, they came up with an error and Warriors held on. And it was just a... A gritty performance from a team that hasn't necessarily been known for that uh, in recent times. I thought um, Jack Hetherington was pretty lucky to only be sent to the sin bin for a, a pretty nasty clothesline that that knocked out uh, Marty Tapao. It's going to probably mm. miss four weeks or potentially five if he challenges and loses. But um, they did have to win this uh, a quarter of the game, 20 minutes of the game. They were 13 on 12 down because Carl Lawton was also seen in the first half for uh, a professional foul, taking a man off the ball. So plenty of resilience being shown by the Warriors. I spoke to um, Chanel Harris-Tavita uh, after the game. I was impressed by his performance. I was also impressed by the way he spoke. He, he sort of talked about, um, no one from Warriors has really talked about finals. And I feel like across the rugby league community, we're all really thankful and impressed by the sacrifices they've made. And Everything that they've done to keep the competition afloat, but everyone's just kind of feeling a bit sorry for them and appreciative of what they're doing without actually taking them seriously as a team. And they're sort of being viewed as this team that is just, you know, trying to struggle through to round 20 so they can go home. But Chanel was like, you know, we're not that far off the eight. Like, we want to play finals. Like, we sort of sat down and talked about it a couple of weeks ago. We can't control the borders being closed. We can't control who's left the club. We can't control who's injured. We can't control whether our families are allowed here. But we can control our, our attitude and our performances. So, let's actually, you know, have a, have a dip and try and make the finals. Which, I mean, I, I don't... I think it's going to be a bridge too far. they got a pretty tough draw from here and there. um two two wins behind eight, so they're gonna to have to win most of their remaining games to to get there. But you know, I just thought it was a really nice sign from a kid who Todd Payton wrapped up as being the, the future of the club and, you know, he's had to deal with some adversity himself. He was dropped for round three when the competition resumed for a green-nickerima com- combination. He had to play a better part of 80 minutes at Hooker. I think it was against the Storm when um, Wade Egan was was knocked out early. Um, a few other stints at Bench Hooker and he's, he's just bounced back and had a good attitude. So very impressed by, by young Chanel um, that brings us to Thursday night, the first game of the round. Uh, Alicia, I'll start with you. 24-16, the Roosters over the Dragons. Roosters, to be fair, missing a whole lot of players, but um, you know, seemed to find a way to keep getting it done.
1: I didn't actually realise how many were out until it flashed up on the screen. There was at least 10 of them. Um, mm. Yeah, miraculous win considering the circumstances and... Um, you look at some of those young guys that that they have got, and they just fit into that system with ease. You know, Satilli um, Tupanua, he was yeah. yeah, he was awesome on that that edge. You know, to think Boyd Cordner usually feels in that spot, and no no disrespect to Boyd, but you know, Tupanua did just as fine job. So yeah, it's uh just when you think the Roosters would be depleted, they they come out and produce easily one of their best club performances of the of the uh of their club history and obviously for Mitch Alberson's three hundredth as well. Um I spoke to him earlier in the week and he talked spoke to him about rep footy and you know not playing a hell of a lot during his career and he just said, you know, what, I'd actually get up more for these games that, you know, the rep players aren't in because they're the wins that you you want to be part of and um, there's nothing better than winning depleted and then so once that happened, um, I think it was a great way to cap off um, the milestone game for him.
2: Yeah, Leesh, I think it's, it's really, um, it's fitting that you say it's brave because this game, uh, this is sort of, this would have been the Anzac Day game. This is the traditional Anzac clash and it was a pretty Anzac brave uh, performance, um, which is important because for the Sunday session this week, we've actually got a sponsor in Open Arms, which is um, a great partner to have on board. So this year, we couldn't celebrate the uh, the Anzac Day game, but the message is just as important to Australians, uh, to past and present service people and their families. So, uh, as we gather to celebrate the Anzac spirit on the anniversary of the Battle of Lone Pine, we're all here to remind you to be open. Since 1982, Open Arms has ensured Australian defence personnel and their families have access to specialised mental health and wellbeing support. So for more information, go to openarms.gov.au, uh, or just give them a call. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was, a like you said, an amazing game. Um, tough, tough game for the Roosters. It's, it was more of both teams did exactly what they've been doing for the last couple of weeks, which is the Dragons kind of doing all right and not winning and the Roosters somehow managing to win when they've, you know, when they've lost a whole lot of talent. So um, those Roosters just keep on keeping on. I don't know. Uh, I had them, like, earlier at the resumption of the season, I had them beating everybody by a mile. Um, that's not going to happen now because they're missing a whole lot of people, but uh, they're still managing to win. So um, whatever they've got uh, going on at the Junction, give me some of that.
0: We should talk about the, uh, the Dragons a little bit because if, you know, they'd shown some some improved signs over recent weeks, you know, moving McInnes to, to lock and hunt to hooker. And um, even in this game, I thought, you know, I've really liked what I've seen from Tristan Saylor since he's had a, a bit more of a chance, but um, if they're going to make any kind of a, a late run, you know, taking advantage of a um, severely undermanned Roosters, they they probably needed to do a lot better in this game, Alicia.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I did like Tristan's game too. He got caught out, I thought a little bit in defense just because he's such a little yeah. body still, but I think he will be better for the run. Uh, but yeah, as you say, it was a game they just had to win. You're not going to get the Roosters at a, at a better time than that. And, um, you know, they just, they just couldn't come up with it. I thought Zach Lomax on the right edge again has been there, but one of their best players, if not their best, um, but yeah, fr- frustrating, frustrating times um, with the Dragons. They're, they're obviously stringing, stringing things together, but um, they're, they're not anywhere near, I don't think, a finals team this year.
0: Mm. Lomax has been incredible. He's had a, a remarkably consistent season. Actually, really enjoyed his battle in this game with Ryan Hall, the old English veteran. Um, Hall obviously still. No tries in the NRL, been one of the best wingers on the planet for his almost his entire career, but can't find his way over the stripe um, for the Roosters. Found himself on report for a pretty nasty sort of alligator roll-style Type of tackle on uh, on Lomax that Lomax objected to, but through the rest of the game, just their head-to-head tussle. Like Ryan Hall had a fantastic try saver on Lomax near the end. Uh, even though the Roosters won, I thought Lomax had the, the points decision in their head-to-head battle. Ended up scoring two tries, but I guess the the old bull and the young buck was um, one of the highlights for me.
1: Yeah, and um, and just on a lot of people sort of blew up about that that last minute um, effort on on Lomax's leg. But, I mean, for Ryan Hall, he's overcome so many knee injuries himself. I doubt there was anything malice in it. I think he got charged, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I think he's
0: free to play with a a grade one. But I've only sort of met him and interviewed him the once when he got out here, but just was struck by what an absolutely tremendous fellow he was. He's brought his young family out from England and just, you know, really, really friendly and um, well-spoken. So, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think there was any malice in it.
1: Between him and Blake Ferguson, neither can score a try this year. No, I
0: don't know. <laughs> Virgo had a bit of a day to forget on, uh, on Sunday. <laughs>
1: what about that pass? <laughs> I
0: know. I think if I was pass. gonna defend him, I kind of I think because it was so wet, they they've all got just double sticky spray on their hands. So I reckon he's going yeah. to throw a normal pass, it's got stuck <laughs> in his fingers and it's flown up with this giant. Harbour Bridge pass, but yeah, that was a shock. Landing landed on the ground. The Sharks got it back. That could have been very costly. I think Gutho was doing a sideline interview after the game and he said, I guess we can laugh about it now that we've won. But he (laughs) he He was not happy at all with that pass. (laughs) Um, That
1: caps off a pretty decent round.
0: (laughs) Yeah, unbelievable weekend of footy. Anyway, thank you both for joining us. been another action-packed Sunday session. Um, We'll be back this time next week to recap round 14.